Welcome to the Marketing Solutionaire, where we dig into the roots of great enterprise marketing. I'm your host, Chris Kaler, founder and CEO of Emsphere. In this podcast, we seek out the secrets to success in driving high utilization, adoption, and value from marketing technology with an eye toward building a community of excellence that drives our field forward together. So whether you're an established enterprise marketing leader or on your journey to become one, you're in the right place. And now, on to the show. Today's guest is John Horodesky, a trailblazer in the world of content strategy and digital asset management. John is an executive director at Salt Flats, a corporate strategy firm helping organizations drive growth from their investments in innovation and technology. In this episode, John explores the fast-paced world of digital asset management, highlighting the importance of following the puck when change occurs to turn challenges into opportunities. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us here on the Marketing Solutionaire and taking the time to share your insights, experience, and point of view. And as I always like to do, let's just jump in. And why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to the point of what you're doing now and a little bit about Salt Flats. Awesome. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Chris. I started my career in the digital asset management space well over 20 years ago now. In fact, I started my career uh, through grad school when I was doing a master's in library science. And I went over to Electronic Arts, the video game people, and I said, hey, there's this thing called DAM. And they're like, great. What is that? And I said, how can I, can I teach you? Can I do some stuff? Can I play around a little bit? And I was there for about four months for free. And then afterwards they said, oh, we actually need down. Can you stay and we'll pay you? And I said, well, thank you very much. And I did. So that's how I got into down. And that's where I started. And ever since then, uh, I have had the, the great and blessed opportunity to do a lot of consulting in the digital asset management space after Electronic Arts. I've been very fortunate to have worked in <clears throat> Fortune 5, 10, 50, 100 and up, CPG, retail, uh, manufacturing, insurance, media and entertainment, all those sort of industries that you're very sure. familiar with, Chris. And yeah, uh, I, and then with that sort of consulting background, I was able to get the opportunity to create a course, a graduate course in digital asset management at San Jose State University, which I have now been teaching this graduate course in down for over 17 years now. Can you believe that? 17. That seems like a long time. but (laughs) And then with that, uh, obviously, you do a lot of public speaking around the world. You and I have met many a time at conferences in different locations around the place, uh, around the United States, Europe, and other. And then... Started working with Salt Flats about 10 years ago or so, and very much uh, executive director at the organization. And Chris, as you know, in this space of helping companies find what they're trying to do to improve their brand management, uh, I help a lot of organizations find a dam. Uh, for those who found a dam and want to make sure they have the right dam, I help them do that. And then our organization will also help people do things like metadata, taxonomy, governance. Hey, I've got a whole bunch of assets to migrate and to integrate. Can you help with those things? So sort of all over the map from metadata, digital asset management, MarTech, all those good things. 
what a journey. And you and, yes. and you've obviously been in it for the long haul. And now yeah. it's obvious looking at me, I've been in it for the long haul with the gray, gray, white hair. But hey, before we lift the hood and, and uh, start some of these discussion topics, did, did a little scouting report on you. Hey, uh, it, Canadian and, and yeah. as, as me as uh, uh, ex uh, and big fan of, of, of baseball. But is there a yeah. thread of hockey somewhere in your background I've heard? Of, of being of course, a fan, of course. Well, I mean, as a Canadian kid, there's two things you need to do. One, you need to know how to skate, and one, you need to know how to swim. So, at a very early age, uh, thrown onto the hockey rink and just started skating. So, of course, yeah, as every good Canadian kid, uh, played defense on uh, with hockey for many, many years. Uh, still love watching it. Don't play anymore. Although I now you're kind of inspiring yeah. to get back on the. But uh, yeah, no, uh, hockey's love hockey, love watching hockey. It's fun, yeah. right? And I got the scouting report. Chris Lehman was uh, in town here at headquarters. And of course, he was up at your uh, event last yeah. week. Did, how, how did that go? That's right. It went very well. Uh, Chicago, um, our, the head office for Salt Flats is in Chicago. So very fortunate to get there a lot of time. Love that city. Good food, good everything. Hockey rivalry for sure, Chris. Let's not go yeah. there. But Vancouver, uh, Chicago, we don't really talk about it too much. Yeah, but. <laughs> and Chris, Lee, Chris Lehman's a big hockey player, so I got hit with it this week. I, I got a Canadian here. And that's probably a pretty good transition to come in and talk about this changing landscape you know and I, in in terms of i was like how does a hockey player really get interested into this damn uh landscape and as i've heard in the hockey world there's a phrase that says follow the puck and to me oh, not being a hockey player i i think you've extended that follow the puck from the ice over into the damn world where change is a constant and in oh hockey gosh. following that puck and adapting and uh, anticipating. So with that, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've seen over the years in terms of yeah. what's changing? <laughs> of course, a lot of things have stayed the same. Also did it where I first met you in LA at uh, Henry wow. Stewart. <laughs> and I looked yes. up what you were talking about, uh, uh, metadata. So all, although uh, our environment is constantly changing, it appears that the best practices of staying ahead of the puck in that world is important. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that you, you bring that analogy of watching the puck because why do you watch the puck? Because the puck is moving everywhere and you have to adapt. I love the other word you use when you sort of said adapt. I think many people in this industry, whether they come through creative services, marketing operations, you got to adapt because you got you to sort of stay current with all the change. Chris, you and I know when we were first starting out in this business way, way back then in the late 90s, I mean, Dan was... Let's be honest, it was big, it was bulky, it was on-premise. Sometimes it was a standalone solution, basic stuff like thumbnail previews, you know, maybe some search, limited metadata. Sure. But, and let's be honest, sometimes the digital assets were kind of hard to find because it was just, you know, they were not easy to share, but that was then. But what we've seen over the years is great change. That hockey puck has moved into different places. We now have things called the cloud. I remember when there was a day when people were like, what's the cloud? <laughs> 
Should I go there? Is it safe? <laughs> what does it actually mean? Where is it? What state is it in? It's like, you know, these are things. So, you know, Dam used to be a standalone place, but it's evolved. The POC has moved. And it's much more collaborative now. We have to consider those things. You know as well, when you speak to your clients, you got to start saying things differently to them. How does it integrate? How does it connect to other things? And I think, you know, here in 2024, we got to really look at DAM and say, what role are we playing? How connected are we with other things? We've got things like CMS. We have PIM, popular word that we're seeing a lot right now. We've got CRM and the DAM sort of plays a connected role to all these things. I've often said, I think that DAM is the core of all these things, but I think for those people who are listening today, they need to start seeing where their DAM is and see how the puck has moved sometimes. The assets are more complex than they were. You know, we used to have you know graphic files, maybe some logos. We've got 3D files now. We have got multimedia places. We've got, of course, AI generated stuff. We can get to that a little bit sure. later, but the puck has moved and the complexity has moved. So we really do need to start seeing digital asset management as more than a tool for managing all that stuff. And you know what? 2024, the stuff will change in 25, 6, and 7. Who knows what will be created? But we know that DAM is more than just a place to manage the assets. It really is about that collaboration, that connectedness to other things within the marketing stack. It's really amazing in, in, in terms of... Um whatever part of whether it's marketing technology, DAM, PIN, work management, content management, financial management in the, in the marketing space, yeah. uh, you know, change happens. And the game you and I are in is to bring value to our customers. It's, I mean, outcome yeah. based, they want the value. So what do you, see with your customers in this uh, constantly changing world uh, and some of the things you do and best practices to help them. You talked a little mm -hmm. bit about where they are on their journey, uh, their maturity. Uh, do you, is, is that important to you when you go into a customer to really find out where are they on this journey and how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, one of the first questions we always ask is, uh, I mean, it's kind of a funny way to begin the conversation, but it's like, how are you manage your assets? And then it turns into where are your assets? And I can tell you, Chris, and you've heard these stories too, is a lot of people are like, where actually, I'm not too <laughs> sure where they all are. And actually, how much of it do we have? Is it current? Uh, are they integrated with other things? And then we go into other layers, like, do you have metadata as behind some of those assets? And most of the time they're like, that's a good question. I will have to get back to you on that one. So that complexity that we all have right now in 2024 is there's a lot of stuff out there. I've always said in my career, let's make it this simple. What's DAM all about? I'm trying to help you manage your stuff so you can find that stuff. And so you can use that stuff in the ways you, that you're intended to. That's all this really is. But it, you know, in a big, more complex layer, you can start saying things like digital asset management, really is that foundation to allow consumer engagement. So your brands can use those assets in the ways that they're intended. So we always like to start off with a very sort of like healthy discovery session of just like, what are you trying to do? But then what is it connected to? That's what I'm seeing more and more of the last three to four years is that it's connected to so many other things. And it's not just that standalone system. It's in so many other places. And I think a lot of people sometimes don't take the time to slow down, really stand back and sort of say, okay, as we said earlier, the hockey puck has moved. Am I managing this to my, the greatest effectiveness of what I can do? 
Um, you know, if we have assets going out to certain markets, are they in the right language? Do the assets need to be changed? You know, are we really taking a holistic, high-level view of what we're trying to do so our assets can be used and then found to do the things we're doing with them? So it is, it's it's more complex, I would say, in 2024, but that's a good thing. And it just behooves us, you and I, to ask the better questions of our clients so we can get them the better results that they need to be effective in their markets. What, what do you see as some of the top drivers uh, driving this change? The complexity and the workflows, for sure, I think what we've seen is that with the advancements in collaborative technology, workflow has certainly become more complex over time. And I think, obviously, in the next, in the last, I remember seven years ago when rumors of this little thing called artificial intelligence sort of bubbled up. That is certainly driving a lot of decisions now, but it's a different discussion because it's more of, so I hear about it, it's out there, but what do I do with it? And do I actually need it? I mean, I remember jokes years ago where I had, you know, senior level individuals of organizations saying things like, so this social media thing, do I need it? Do I keep it? And, you know, well done, good for them, right? For thinking of those things. But here we are with AI and people thinking, do I need it? What do I do with it? And there are reasons that one can use it for the dam. And maybe there are reasons where we don't need to use it for the dam. And these are the questions it behooves people like you and I to ask those good questions about those trends like artificial intelligence to sort of say, how can you use it? What's an effective way for you to use that with your digital asset management system? So again, kind of always goes back to asking good questions of your clients. Well, that that sparked something where you talked about, uh, you know, the workflow and work management. So when yeah. I, you know, founded my business, Msphere, there were, we weren't doing anything in DAM. It was all the workflow, work management, productivity management, and uh, yeah. we were all about workflow. And gee, in marketing, it is all about content. But in our business, and even with the, our clients back then. Yeah. It was very workflow centric, and uh, now everything is becoming uh, content centric. And gee, Correct. that's it's it's just that that should be no big surprise because if if the workflow is the assembly line, uh, take our business in in marketing. What's going down that assembly line? Data uh, and content, which really I had to follow the puck, stay ahead of the puck and anticipate. And that's how we got into the dam business with this convergence of workflow, work management and the dam. You talked a little bit about that. What what are you seeing, you know, as it pertains to uh, customers you're supporting? Were those siloed a little bit in the past? And is that a, a big need now? Yeah, absolutely. I think we still live in a siloed world today, but definitely in the past, it was the market department was here. Creative services were over there. Business affairs was over there. They don't often talk to each other. And I'm sure you've had those situations, Chris, where it's like, haven't you all talked about this before? And they often don't. And we still get those situations where people aren't talking to enough to each other enough now. But certainly with that sort of siloed approach, are we talking about the right metadata with each other? Probably not. How about licensing concerns? Maybe, maybe not. And what you see is that complexity of the workflow situations where everything's really not as connected as they should be. And obviously with the change in technology, 
technology over the last 30 years, so too has that complexity reached in terms of the process. So I, we've always said people, process, technology, and data. You have to have the four of them really working well together. One of those slips, the whole thing doesn't really work well, right? Yes, you must agree. Absolutely. Well, that's a great transition and and talking about that data. I loved your presentation in Damn New York that you led a a panel uh, about metadata matters. You're really good at super warming up the crowd. I remember one of the things you talked about is uh, I made. I may misquote you, but you talked about data is our language, then metadata is the grammar. So why don't you uh, talk a little bit about that, about uh, the language. I never really thought about it. Been in this business for a long time. And when you really talked about, you know, that's our language. And, oh, guess what? Another little fun tidbit you threw out there to help resonate. You talked about every year there's a thousand new words that are being introduced into the dictionary. You listed a few. I think we can say these on on uh, the podcast. I think we but can. Yeah. One was hellscape. What <laughs> one was uh, trauma dumping, and the other one was decision fatigue. Right, and. Uh, <laughs> But it really resonated with me uh, relating that metadata into the grammar and being associated with language and you associating that language is constantly changing. So why why don't you expand upon that? I mean, uh, metadata is everything. Uh, I've always said that without it, you have nothing. So your asset could be great, gorgeous, high res graphic to be used in multiple campaigns. But if there's no metadata behind it. You can't do anything with it. You don't know where it is, what it is. You don't know how to share it and distribute it. So the metadata behind those things are so important. So when I did say the quote that you're referring to, where I say that you know um, the metadata is going to be the grammar, it's all about the construction of the meaning of the stuff that we have. So all that content that you're referring to that we're creating in a voluminous amounts now, there is just so much content right now out there, a lot of it video, but just so much content. You need the metadata to help define what it is. And we are living in anything... Uh, Everything has changed right now. Everything is changing fast. And so too, our business changes, our user needs change. Of course they are, but so too does the language. There are certain things we say now that we would never have said 30 years ago. There are certain things that we have said 30 years ago that we would never say now because language changes all the time, you know, and the Academy Award goes to, and the Oscar goes to, and the winner is, we don't say certain things anymore, right? Just because we can't, because sort of society has progressed. But with our brands and our objects that we are dealing with, Things do change. Look at the global markets. I say potato chip. If you go to the UK, they would say it's a crisp, different thing. They say biscuit. I say cookie. Well, does your metadata in your system, you know, evaluate those things? We have a client recently who discovered same product in one country is beauty. In another country, it's healthcare. Well, I certainly hope that the products have that metadata distinction. So you do step, ship it to the right company with the right information behind it, or you're going to get people looking at saying, I don't know what that is. And more importantly, that metadata is so tied to DEM and e-commerce, you want people to buy your stuff. So let's hope that we have the right words behind it. Right. You know, when I was first thinking about metadata before I got more involved with it in our business, you know, I kind of wrapped my head yeah. around think, oh, metadata helps you find stuff, but it's more than that. And in, in, in listening Absolutely. to you and, and following you, it's it's really the catalyst from my perspective. And so I'll let you clean up what I'm going to say. 
to me, the metadata is is what really where helps you extract or derive the value of this data and content. A- am I way out and I'll use baseball. Am I way out in right field? I don't know where right field is in hockey. Uh, maybe it's maybe <laughs> it's the penalty box. So am I in the penalty yeah. box when I make yeah. that statement? No, you were very much uh, scoring a hat trick with oh, that there one. You go. So you don't want. Yeah, you don't want to be in the penalty box with your metadata because it is all about value. It's about return on investment. You made this, you know, your teams, maybe you you have third-party agencies creating your assets for you. This is about organization and accessibility. At the end of the day, what is it down for? You need to find your things to do things with them. So you need that value, as you to quote yourself, with the metadata. That's what it provides all those assets. You're going to have better brand consistency because you will be using the same logo in the same locations at the same time. You will be saving money because you're not re- recreating things. The metadata is attached to it once so it can be used in different ways. So the metadata allows all these things to happen. And with many of the projects, if not all the projects we ever have, we usually start with a metadata analysis because it tells us so much about your content. It really does. If I never ever asked the question cookie versus biscuit, how would anyone know? Is it a white shirt? Is it a chemise? Is it open collar? Is it crew? I don't know. But if you don't ask those questions, you're not going to sell your product, let alone your marketing teams can't find what they're trying to do to market those campaigns. We live in a global world. Uh, English language, foreign languages, which one is it? And you want to make sure your brand and your identity is always being used in the right way. And without metadata, you can't do it. So the value is in spending that time at the beginning. You know, I always say, organize yourselves. You know, remember the kitchen cupboard sure. you have, you know, and you pull that drawer out, you're like, what is that stuff? It's those things you put in corn cobs and you use twice a year, these weird devices to shred garlic, you know, that sort of like hodgepodge of stuff. You got to organize that because ultimately at some point they need to be used. So I always like to tell organizations, you know, go organize yourselves, get ready, get clean, clean the house. Right. And I can imagine, um, if you were my consultant and you're coming in, and I'm meeting you, your personality, I'm like, I get this. I connect. Met- metadata is simple. Like once you kind of wrap your head around it. However, now let's right. talk about the execution. Uh, and so <laughs> yes. I, I know your thoughts. Uh, you probably have a few sound bites uh, in, in terms of how, how do you get uh, your clients thinking about of where do we start? Like I, I get the concept, but they're not in this business like you and me. So what is your best practice to get them slowly after you've warmed them up like you do in your audiences when you're speaking, how do you warm them up to get to the point? Now we're getting to the meat. Let's lift the hood. Now it's getting serious. Well, I think you, and you probably have seen this before, Chris, in your career where clients sit back and go, I just don't know what to do. Like I have so much stuff. I have a J drive with terabytes or whatever is beyond a terabyte of stuff. And I can't find things. And they sort of get overwhelmed. And the first thing I always like to sort of say is take a deep breath. And when you say, when do I start? You just start now. There's no shame. There's nothing wrong with just saying, that's a lot of stuff. And I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I can make you know, clarity out of this. So just take a deep breath and start and do a discovery, do a content inventory, a content assessment, whatever you want to call it. See how much you have. Maybe you have stuff from 1993 and you don't even know why you're keeping those Dreamweaver files. Spoiler alert, you probably don't need to keep the Dreamweaver files, you know. Uh, I have 30 different versions of an asset. Maybe I don't need to keep all those. 
So make it bring that sort of, you know, high level, oh my gosh, we have so much stuff and just start going through them, you know, sort of put them into organizations, you know, you start creating that high level taxonomy and say it's going to be okay. And I think what organizations need to hear sometimes, and I think you probably do this in your role as well, is to sort of say, I've seen this before and nothing really can shock me anymore. I've seen where the J drives are on the terabytes and the person who used to manage it doesn't work there anymore, et cetera, et cetera. But I've seen this before and you can get a better world, but just slow down, do a process with, you know, with good methodology of starting out and sort of seeing with that content inventory and then move into what is your metadata? Who are the people behind these things? Let's do a technology assessment. How much tech do you really have? Maybe you don't need seven systems. Maybe you only need three systems. So maybe we can start sunsetting. Maybe we can move assets together. Do you have people in place for this stuff? I can tell you, Chris, over there is a lot of people buy technology and then go, great. So now what? Who's going? <laughs> they push the button, it starts, and now who's going to run my dam? I hope you have some people uh, behind the scenes somewhere because I can tell you, dam is great and we love it. I know you love it too. Content management systems, PIM, CRMs, they're amazing. But I sure hope you have people behind the scenes to help those make those things work well. So yeah, take it slow, take a deep breath and just start, but start with a plan. And we always like to bring in a plan right from day one and show them how to get the roadmap of going. So it, it can happen. So I'm I'm sitting here and I'm saying, hey, we're 20, 25 minutes into it. I think it's now we can yeah. kind of talk about uh, you, you can't, you know, wake up in the morning in, in today's environment and not hear about how uh, AI is uh, creating this tsunami of content and clients having a bunch of questions for you. Like, is this real? Is it not? Should I start now? Should I wait? Uh, where's your point of view from Salt Flats as their Sherpa, uh, as, as their damn Sherpa, there's your next uh, t-shirt. How do you continue that conversation? It's not going away. Let's be serious. When we, uh, Remember when the printing press started, Gutenberg, people were like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen to our society? It's going to be okay. Printing books are allowed. All these things progressed over time. I may remember when technology was being introduced and they said, I will never print paper again. Everything will be digital. Not true. In fact, we produced more paper than ever. So big technological shifts have happened and we're living through it right now. I mean, I think the number one search term last year might have been chat GPT. So it's not going away. But it does not need to be scary. It's just, how do I use this? What can I use in my business? And I think sometimes people see the drama from the news and go, oh my gosh, it's going to take over. It's going to replace things. No, not necessarily. I don't think it's going to replace anything. In fact, it's going to, and I use this word a lot, it's going to enhance what you have. It's not going to replace anything. It's going to enhance and it's augmenting what you currently have. So don't worry about it. What I do worry about is... Things like a statistic of that over 80% of the world's data is unstructured. That's a frightening amount of stuff floating around our business. But what does AI need to make it work? It needs structured data. So the first thing I say to clients is, again, are you organized? Do you have your content structured in such a way that the robots can do their stuff? And I've always said, feed the robots good data. Well, go organize yourselves and give them data to work with. I love that. And then people will say, yeah, but where do I start? Oh, gosh, it seems so freaky and scary and people are using it. I'm like, what do you want it to do? Maybe it can help you 
maybe the, uh, the, the AI can help you choose the right colors or this, this photo is more blue than this one. That one is more red. Great. Maybe I, I can identify people's faces. That would be great too. That's Chris Kaler. That's Chris Kaler. That's Chris Kaler. Great. That's a wonderful use of AI. So the question goes back to the client saying, what do you want? How can we explore together and make this well? But you need the foundation of data to allow the robots to do their job. So I'm excited by what's happening with the advent of artificial intelligence. I think we need to proceed slowly. Uh, I don't think we want to give everything up to the robots too quickly, but I do think that human beings, and I do love humans. I'm a big fan of human beings, Chris. I don't know about you. <laughs> there you go. I love humans. I think that we're going to have to sit along with those robots as we go forward and make sure that we're being effective in what we're trying to do with that technology. So it's happening. It's here. It's real. Now just move along with it in an effective well, I way. I loved your analogy in terms of, hey, someone still has to... Uh, you got to feed the robots or AI. Well, guess who's who's the cook? Humans. Yes. I'm a fan, as you can see by my side, of you know food and and cooking oh. too. So yeah, I don't. Uh, it's not so much that hey, and and you hear it, the media, the 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 drama. They're going to take our jobs and stuff. The way I look at it Ooh. is it it's just going to change and yeah. uh in terms of yeah. now what will we be doing how should i be looking at this right. team to do the value-added activities that they need to do absolutely maybe we use maybe a company uses ai or chat gpt in a way to help sort of augment some of the stuff they're doing but ultimately in the, the day you will need the human beings to sit alongside those robots so I welcome that opportunity. And I, when we work with clients, I'm always calming those fears, as you sort sure. of hinted about the drama. Change is always fearful sometimes, but guess what? Change is good and change is necessary. And change happens. And change happens. And as you, that's a t-shirt too, actually. Change happens. Uh, change happens, let it flow. That's our tagline. Chris, we are going to make that so soon. I like yeah. this. But as you said earlier in our conversation, you talked about the moving hockey puck. AI is the biggest hockey puck that is moving right now. So don't get fearful of it. Get in front of it and get prepared for it. Don't get scared and think we're never going to be able to do this. Like anything else in any other good industry from all organizations, big, medium, and small, get ahead of it. Start thinking of how you can use AI to your effectiveness going forward. Don't get scared. Well, that's that's a it. great uh, transition uh, lead in, teeing up the human aspect of this. And anytime you have humans and uh, a tsunami of change, user adoption and advocacy is something that you can't ig ignore. So in terms of your practice, what, how, how do you introduce uh, and start the conversation and talk about the importance of, you know, building that advocacy and, and champions ahead of the implementation? And of course, my perspective on advocacy and, and user adoption, you can't adopt something that's not implemented yet. So start working on building champions and building awareness and understanding as you're beginning to embark on that journey and to, you know, once that's implemented and you're rolling it out or users are getting on whatever vehicle, it's a ship, it's a bus. Now yeah. there now is the time you got to focus on adoption. So what's your perspective? Yeah. 
Well, I love the way you set that up. We had a client many years ago, and I, I always le learned, from, as you, we always learn from our clients. And I, one of the greatest things in my career is I love people. I love human beings. I love interacting with them. This one client said, you know what? This whole damn thing is just change management. It really is in a different way. And you know, like, you know what? That is really adept and smart. And I've always kept that with me because it is a, just a big change for people. You know, instead of having the digital asset sit in my hard drive or a shared storage, you know, now it's going to be in a central storage place, you know, um, some version of truth behind it. And I do like that sort of concept of change. But what I like to do when I start talking to a client is bring that change management and governance right to the front and start it immediately. I love the fact that you use the word champion. I'm a big believer in champions. You need somebody in that organization to say yes, to sign a check, to approve people to be put onto the project. You gotta find those champions. So we build that governance right from the beginning. No, let's get the dam, let's set it up, push a button, yay. I guess we should govern it. Uh-uh, that governance starts right from the beginning of the process. So people are involved. So they are part of the process of digital asset management. I can tell you for doing this over 25 years, I've seen where dams have failed and they have failed because they did not have good governance right from the beginning. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you, you mentioned the word governance. We're talking about metadata as language. As you and I are, we, I think we have three different T-shirts we're talking about doing, follow the puck, change happens, let it flow. Uh, Love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about, in the terms of, of your speak, metadata matters. So let's talk about metadata on the, the word. I'm being a little silly here. But governance is a scary word. Government. Who gets excited I'm not making a political statement here, but that no, but no. that term, I don't, I don't know if you run into it as it, it's no doubt, regardless of the term, you have to have that in there as a, a through line throughout all the, the planning all Absolutely. the way through the whole cycle. But how do you look at governance and the word? And I'm curious if you use different terms or language talking about governance. So, you know, you, you know that language matters and metadata matters and the words we use certainly matter. If I use one word, you might go, yikes, that's a lot. If I use a different one, you'll be like, oh, that sounds much better. So <clears throat> I've always said that governance is not an option, but use governance in the way that makes sense for your organization. If governance is the wrong word, then don't use that word. Call it business transformation. Call it a collective. Whatever word you think might work for your organization, then do that. Governance can sound a little bit oppressive and onerous and, oh, geez, I have, to two more, I have to do two more hours of work today. Well, then don't call it that. Call it something else. Whatever the word is for your organization, I can tell you in my 25-year career, I've seen different way people call it different things. But ultimately, they're still doing it. And that's the most important thing. Every organization is different. You've seen this. Chris, yeah. in, your, in, the, in your career, in the clients you've had, CPG, retail, insurance, media entertainment, they all work differently, but they all have similar issues. And that change management and governance thing is a part of it, but they just call it in different ways. Uh, I had one group called it the Breakfast Club, and they met twice a week at breakfast. They had donuts, they had coffee, and they talked about all the issues, and it was very popular. I'm like, well done. Didn't talk about governance at all, per se. There's nothing in the, in the meeting invitation. It was just called the Breakfast Club. I'm like... I want to be a part of that club because you know you're talking about the things you're doing. So, you know, use the words that work for you. Don't be. And speaking of words that work, uh, loved your book. I know you talked to me about you're yeah. going to uh, be dusting it out off and coming up, but I love 
the three words you used in your book, inform, transform, and outperform. Tell me a little bit about when did you wake up? And, uh, and I know it was, uh, you've done a couple of books, but what, what was really driving you to say, I want to get this out of my head on what, what was the person, you know, whether it was personal or for business or business development, or just, I want to share. Well, um, as you can see behind me, I love books. So I love learning. I'm a big lifelong learner. I'm never bored. I do believe um, I was never being boring because I'm never being bored. I like to be busy. I like to do things. And I like to have sort of education as everything. And the reason I write the uh, these books is because I want people to also be educated. I want them to be informed. And what do we get from being informed? We get inspired to do things. Too many meetings, as so many things uh, where people were like looking for information, I was thinking, well, why don't I just put all this stuff down, write it down and give it back to people? And I think, you know, people want sometimes that inspiration. So often we see, you know, 400, 500 page textbooks necessary, <clears throat> needed, but, you know, it could be a little bit too much. So I don't want to ever be that guy to do that. So make it meaningful, make it palatable. Uh, not too many words, but make it so that they can use it immediately and get inspiration from it. That's the reason uh, I wrote those books, and I will be dusting off that Inform, Transform, Outperform to do it again because things have changed in the seven years that since it's been written. We just talked about it, AI, all those things that needs to be added to that book. But I want to, when I, I mean, you've been doing this, Chris, you love people as much as I do. I want to see people have those aha moments where the, you literally see the light bulb go, oh, Ah, I get it. I want that. I want to inform people. I want to see them get inspired and do better and do great things with their digital asset management systems. And I'll always hold that very true to myself. So more to come. All right. Looking forward to that question. I have about your experience of writing the book. Was there anything after you did it or while you're doing it that just the process of sitting down and writing it and trying to gather your thoughts and I mean, you're a data person, right? Structure, data, all that stuff. And so I bet you that was pretty interesting as a librarian trying to pull all of these assets and points of view into a process. Did you learn something that you got out of the experience? You said, you know, I never thought about it that way until I put pen to paper. Absolutely. I think anything we do, we always learn. I hope with everything we do, we learn something from it. What I learned is, okay, so how am I going to actually do this? I'm a busy fella, lots of stuff on the go. Uh, where can you find some quiet time? You know where you can find some quiet time, Chris? On a flight. Yeah. On a flight from LA to Chicago. You can actually choose, you can choose your own destiny. You can eat the food. Nothing wrong with the food. I don't think I need the sodium any more than I need anything else. You can watch a movie that you've probably already seen already, or you can put that tray down, put up your laptop and start typing. What I learned a lot from writing these books is time management and focusing. Again, we, you know, you make the most of the time that you have been given, and I'd rather use that time for good things. So I have found myself on planes, on trains, the Acela between New York and DC, bring up a laptop and start writing. So it was a time management exercise for me. And I still very much hold to that, that philosophy of making the most of the time that you've been given. So do good things with the time you have. Maybe for some of the, like your sage advice to you, you pick the persona, but I always like you're an educator, uh, you're a professor, a teacher, Maybe if you want to hit some of the younger people getting into the profession or who are currently into it, what what mm. couple of pieces of 
advice do you have for the people who've just begun their journey? <clears throat> there are many good pieces of advice. Uh, I think the one that I always like to tell people uh, is put your hand up, ask questions. Don't sit back and sit there and think, I don't understand. Ask questions all the time. No one will ever get mad at you for doing that. I think so, too many, too often people just sit back in meetings and go, I don't know what this is. And they just don't think about it. Ask the questions. I love when people ask questions. I was always an inquisitive kid. And I hope I'm when I do my teaching and I meet with my clients that I'm always sort of inspiring them to ask questions as well. Always ask questions because with those questions, you'll get answers. With answers, you'll get learning. From that learning, you will able then to do things and achieve the goals you're going for. Always ask questions. Well, that was something you also mentioned at the beginning, the middle, and end. So I'm going to emphasize to our listeners, ask questions. Don't be intimidated. Or whether you're going to some of these damn conventions. I know one's coming up in L.A. That's uh, you, You'll be out there, right? Yep. Absolutely, I will. Yeah. Don't be intimidated. Not everyone... Uh, it's fair to say with you over 20 years in this industry, do you still have questions you ask? Absolutely. And you do as well. And I still learn from the clients that I have. Uh, this is never done. I've always said DAM is not a, a project. It's a program. A project by definition has a beginning and an end. DAM is a program. It keeps going. And so do I. And so do you. I always learn from people every day. I'm always asking new questions when I see new technologies being put into the digital asset management system. So yeah, always asking questions, always learning, always growing. I'm following the puck and I'm adapting to what's happening. I love, I love your comment about uh, it's very common to uh, my mantra. Uh, we are not, Msphere is not in the project business of start and, de uh, you know, end. We're, we're wow. in the journey and the long haul. And that doesn't mean uh, we're in the business of, you know, we stand things up. But then we're in the, if we're talking about two words of, you know, what we do, we're all about sustainability for the long Love haul. It. And that does not have an end. And our advice, uh, as we try to educate some of our customers, is don't think about this just as a project. I know that you've been talking to the software vendor, uh, you know, for 18 months. You're going to spend more time, money over the long haul. So prepare for that journey up front as you're evaluating software, as you're implementing it. So absolutely agree. John, thank you for your time today. And I'll end with follow the puck. Follow the puck. Stay ahead of the puck. Absolutely. And we'll get those t-shirts made. Terrific. Thank you, John. <laughs> Thank you, Chris.